What's up, everybody? This is Brian from Positivity Unleashed Podcast, LLC, and you're listening to the Positivity Unleashed Podcast. And today we are talking about a very interesting episode, so I'm going to throw it to my favorite co-host to take us away. We're talking about salmon. You got us. (laughs) I'm kidding. We're talking about art and creativity. See what I just did there? Improvise. Improvisation. I used my imagination. I imagined we were doing an episode about fish, but... You know, not today. We're talking about art and creativity. So let's get started with the definition. Um, I wanted to start by making this distinction between art and creativity, because I think today we'll be talking a lot more about the creative side of things, but let's talk about it. What is art? Art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination typically in a visual form, such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. Two things Brian has, beauty and emotional power. (laughs) All right. Uh, The second definition here is creativity, which is the use of the imagination or original ideas, especially, of course, in the production of an artistic work. I wanted to make that distinction because for me, art is like the product of your creativity. Creativity is kind of like this mental state, sometimes an emotional state. It is something we we feel. Sometimes we feel creative, right? Um, so with that being said, I'm going to pass it to Brian to start us off on some of the research um, that he has come across. I think we're, this is going to be a interesting, you know, I, I'll start by this other distinction right before I pass it to you though, is the distinction between science and creativity, because we hear so much that these two things are separate. And in fact, I think what was ironic is today, we're going to be talking a lot about the science of creativity. Um, mm-hmm. So Brian, let's, I'll pass it to you. It sounds to me like you've done some research, some science on creativity. <laughs> I do. I do have some some backed up science here. No, um, there's a there's a couple of articles uh, I found in my research here, Clark. That I think were super interesting. Both of them are are relative to art, but also I guess to creativity. Because I think, as you said, right, like art is almost like a subvision of creativity. I guess right. So when you think about art, you could also kind of think about cre- being creative or creativity. So the first uh, article I found was by M. Ruta Deshmukh. And I apologize if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, it was actually an article on LinkedIn called Unlocking the Power of Art, Embracing Positivity per- for Personal Growth, published in 2023. Um, we will post the link to this video, and we have no affiliations with Emruta or LinkedIn, um, but I found this to be a super interesting article to share with everyone. So in this article, Emruta talks about that art can be used as like a tool towards positivity in your mindset and personal growth and in self-reflection. So, you know, kind of looking at art as this tool, art can really help you to channel your inner emotions and also allow you to have further self-discovery, which was super interesting to kind of read about. And before we kind of dig into that a little bit more, the last thing kind of that, that I want to talk about in this article was that Emerita says creative activities help us to also release endorphins. So 
kind of throwing that all together, not only does art give us a way to channel our inner emotions and how we're feeling or, or, or where we are, but it also allows us kind of the bigger one, in my opinion, for self-discovery. So Clark, I want to kind of throw it to you to get your opinion on, on these findings by Amruta and in her article. Yeah, I definitely for this one will draw upon my own life experience because I have found that I am creative when I'm happy, but I'm also creative when I'm sad. And I think in both of them, like I, I love this article you bring up because in both of them, creativity is, well, really art actually make the distinction. Art is really the medium you can use for these emotions. It's, 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 a, it's an emotional release. Uh, I've heard this with singing. Singing is a great one. Um, it, is, it is a very direct medium to be able to express whatever emotions you might be feeling. Um, this is why when we hear like a sad song, we can connect with it so well. And if we hear a happy song, we can connect with it so well. So uh, not only do I think the article is very accurate, but I think that it's uh, very relevant to anyone who maybe excuse me, is bottling up their emotions in some form or fashion, right? Like pick up a pen and paper if that's your medium, like having having some sort of um, discipline, if you will, like a creative discipline to uh, be able to find a way to express these emotions can be very healthy. Um, and the second part of the article that you mentioned was the endorphins part of it is like, you know, is sometimes if I'm sad and I'll start singing about something sad, like one, I can connect with that emotion. But two, usually after that session, I'm usually not as sad. I'm like, you know, I feel really good about, about whatever I just sang or played on the guitar or I drew something. Um, so yeah, I'll pass back to you if you have, uh, anything more there. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Hark. Appreciate that. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of want to, it's a good segue to kind of go into the second article here because you kind of mentioned something there, Clark, that was that was a really good segue, which was the mm -hmm. fact that you said like something is like singing, right? Yeah. And that kind of brings up my point that there are actually multiple different ways to be creative and have art in what you do, right? So the second article that I found here is by Heather L. Stuckey, Stuckey sorry if I'm saying that wrong, and Jeremy Noble. Um, and they have an article called The Connection Between Art, Healing, and Public Health, a review of current literature that was posted in 2010. This was found in the National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information. And this article was very interesting because basically what uh, Stuckey and Nobel did here, and again, we have no affiliation with them, they actually reviewed peer-reviewed literature, or I'm sorry, research, on arts and healing with certain parameters. And some of those parameters were things like, you know, between the years 1995 to 2007, mostly adults, things like that. Now, in their research, they looked at how art can be used to potentially have healing effects on certain individuals. And in their research with these different uh, peer-reviewed research and literature that they were looking through, they found that there were four primary therapies that research really came from or came about. It was music engagement, visual arts therapy, movement-based creative expression, and expressive writing. And through this research that they found was that at the end of the day, there is a positive correlation between art and healing that it can have on people during certain situations or certain troublesomes that they're going through. 
So it was actually a super interesting article. I would highly recommend you all to read it. Again, we're going to attach it to this episode. But one of the things, again, kind of segueing to here, Clark, was the fact that, one, art can obviously heal, which is super interesting, right? Like the fact that if you're going through something or you're hurting or you're going through a breakup or something, right? Different forms of art might be able to help you heal through that process. But additionally, the fact that there are many different kinds of art out there, you know, kind of when we, you think about art, in, in general practice, right? Like you just say, oh, like, you know, what's art to you? Probably the first thing that comes to your mind is probably a visual art, right? I'll, I'll say real quick, even that actually just came up in the definition on Google, I was saying, because it, it starts with typically in a visual form, such as painting or sculpture. Mm -hmm. I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. carry on. I, I think yeah. that's the general, probably automatic thought process people have when you say the word art, right? You think of a painting, or, you know, a sculpture, you know, something like that, right? But as we see here, and as you might have, you know, read online, there are many different forms of art, you know, it could be, again, it could be through that visual therapy, or that visual effect of, you know, again, painting something like that, it could be through writing, you know, writing a letter to someone writing a note, writing a book, it could be movement based creative expression, or otherwise known as dancing, right? Um, and then music engagement, you know, if, if you're either creating art, or listening to art which is music that's another way that you can use it to to again like clark kind of said right maybe you're feeling a little down you listen to a sad song yeah and then it kind of helps you feel a little better right um so different kinds or different um methodologies of art that kind of come out of this can be used in different ways but it, it's kind of cool the fact that there are different ways or different forms of art that exist I have a uh, I have a photo album in my phone that's called uh, it's a folder called Everything Is Art. <laughs> and it's uh, it's uh, something I started doing about a year ago, maybe more was photography just on my okay. iPhone, just on my iPhone. Like I, I like it's so I had a uh, someone teach me photography at this one point in my life and um, I it really changed the way I view the world. It a hundred percent changed the way I view the world because you go from like seeing a tree to like how can I take a photo of this tree? How can I how can I bring this tree into its most artistic form and expression? And then you start seeing all these things. Like you start seeing sunsets totally differently. You start seeing uh, snow and just like even like stickers in a, a you know a, a basement bathroom to be beautiful. You know. And so <laughs> right. so I, yeah, I have this thing called everything is hard on my phone, and it's just like lots of different stuff. But I mean, photography is another creative medium you know how can i how can i take this photo in a certain way how can i change the colors of this photo to evoke a certain emotion you know it's not always like bright warm and orange sometimes it's like cold and melancholy and so um yeah little tangent there no i, I think that's, um. that's a, it's a good bring up though clark because i remember back in when i was in high school actually i took a photography class um, which was super interesting because again, to your point, like certain things I didn't really look at artistic or creative yeah. or whatever, like, like you said, tree's a tree. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but after like taking that class, like I learned how to use light to like get different, like viewpoints of certain objects or a tree or whatever, um, have me, made me have a different viewpoint on things that made me appreciate how art can be done or like different art forms and things like that. So like it was yeah. a very interesting class. And then in college, I actually took a, um, a uh, videography course where actually we made like movies, like short movies using 
only our phones, which was kind of cool. That is cool. Um, so it, it was a super interesting course, um, just to the sense that like we got to work in groups and like create these all like these these sketches together on campus and whatnot. And um, I think just getting those creative juices going together. And that was one of my, fa I talk about this all the time. Like that was one of my favorite classes from college. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not like it like taught me like how to do brain science or something, right? Like it wasn't probably like the most like, you know, intense course per se, but like it was the most interesting to me because like we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And, you know, we got to like meet new people through it, like being in these groups and enjoying like our time together, like making these short videos. It was I guess that's that's the point, right? Like art can be fun, art can be creative, yeah. art can be all these different things, which can be very positive. You you released many endorphins during that oh, class, yeah. I think as well. Many endorphins <laughs> every day. So, so <laughs> this is actually a great segue for me to go into one of my points. Um, I need I will find this study and I'll post it in the description. Um, I believe this was done in New York City school systems, but Basically, I I have a big – personally, this is my personal – I'm about to share some personal uh, opinion right now, okay? So just be fair warned, this is an opinion. I have a gripe with um, the education system in general because having gone through it myself um, and studying as much neuroscience and psychology as I have learned, and I think many neuroscientists would agree with me on this, we know so much about the brain at this point and how – to learn and how human psychology works. And yet the education system does not care. And I don't think they're doing anything uh, to make any sort of changes that reflect that. I think some schools get it. Sometimes individual teachers get it. And so they'll teach their classes in a way that is in line with these teachings. So what am I getting at? So Brian mentioned something just now, which is like he had the most fun in this videography class that he took. What probably happened? You were probably so stoked to come into class for that period of the day. It, like you said, it got you thinking in a different way it, and it, it gets you hyped up about school, right? I mean, that's simple psychology. Brian likes this. He, wa he wants to come into class so he can keep doing this thing. So the study that I'm referencing here was, um, I believe some New York City school systems um, decided, you know, they didn't have funding for, uh, or no, no, it, it wasn't so much they didn't have funding for arts and sciences, is that they wanted to cut arts and sciences because our standardized testing doesn't care about arts and arts. I'm sorry, they don't care about arts. I misspoke there. Uh, they care about sciences, right? Like standardized testing in school and colleges. They want to see your math scores and they want to see your science scores. And um, I have a huge issue with that because it means schools are cutting art and creative classes. And what does that do? It means kids don't wanna show up to class every day. They're doing really rote uh, memorization and information. And what this study found was that the schools that did not cut art actually had better science scores and better math scores than the other kids that, you know, because these kids are unmotivated, you know, they, they're doing these things that are just like boring and like, you know, but the thing is, even getting into that creative mindset, I think for some people, not all people probably will, you start to see, wait a minute, I can bring creativity into math and I can bring creativity into science. And, and those things can actually be a little bit more fun for me, you know, like, like science can be super creative. And, and I mentioned at the beginning, like we think of these things as separate. They are so connected. Like you need to be really creative in order to be a scientist. You need to 
be creative in how you're going to solve for certain things. So, um, thanks for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, uh, one thing I want I want to touch on super quick, yeah, Mark, that you course. said, which which I thought was like a really good point, is the fact that you know, unfortunately, like with with, with certain things in our lives, right? Like there's a system in place, right? Yeah. Such as like school system, right? Like yeah. there is an actual system in place. And like, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's not like one individual to, to blame or to say yeah. or this yeah. or that, right? And like one of the things you said was that like, sometimes there are certain individuals still that like get it. Yeah. And like, I like the people I remember the most from college professor wise are those ones that yeah, like right. stood out and like went outside the norm and like went about their way of like teaching, maybe not the most like methodical way, right? Or maybe like not the most generic way of like teaching and going about things, but like they did their own unique thing yeah. to make sure. Those were always the best learned. teachers. They were yeah. always the best teachers. Yeah. The and ones that. The, our yeah. leadership professor is a good example of that. You know, yeah. like he, he did a phenomenal job of just doing things in a very different way. And in doing so, like we love that class and we learned so much from it. You know, I think there's something so important, which is like, did we learn leadership from a book? Technically, yes, because we did have a book that I remember we'd like read a chapter from the mm -hmm. book. But then when we went into class, like we weren't doing like exercises or like doing some sort of generic standardized sort of thing. It was like that teacher would would um, teach us in his own way and in a very out of the box way. And we'd go around the room and we'd have a discussion, like an open discussion about those topics. Um, and so I think that there's this beautiful marriage that sort of happens between like the standardized stuff with the out of the box stuff. And you need both. And like school wants to fit you inside this little box of the standardized way. And, but it's just not, that's not how you improve. That's not how you get better. That's not how you teach well. Um, this, yeah. yeah. And, and I think, and I think at the end of the day, Clark, like what this comes back to is creativity, right? Yeah. Like those professors that are doing things in a different way, are they're being creative. Like they're yeah. being creative in the way that they're, they're coming about things and into in turn is making their students also be creative in how they have to answer, how they have to come yeah. up with solutions to things, how they have to go about things. And so, like, I think, you know, for leadership, too, like, I know we've had episodes on leadership, but, like, to kind of bring that into this as well, like, it takes leaders also being creative to make sure that the people working with them, you know, or yeah. their students to also be creative, too. Creative, creativeness can help replicate or duplicate creativeness yeah. in others. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually a great segue into another point that I wanted to make. Uh, you mentioned leadership. And one of the things um, I took this course, bah, 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 what was it? It was at Stanford. Stanford has a right. It's called the D school, which stands for design. So Stanford's D mm. school, it was just like this little summer one day class. And the, for, for those of you who don't know, the D school was started by Tom and David Kelly. And I have read and highly recommend their book called um, Creative Confidence. Um, it's a phenomenal book about how to be more creative. And one of the tech, one of the techniques that we did in that class that day, which I had done before, which anyone who's in theater is probably familiar with this listening and anyone who's done theater or improv has done this technique. But what I'm suggesting here is that anyone in a company 
who needs to do some sort of creative thing should do this technique with your group. And I think Tom and David Kelly would uh, agree with that one. So what is the technique? It is a game called Yes And. So what you do is you get your group together and you start with a scenario. You could say Clark and Brian are recording a podcast. Um, and then from there, you go around the group and it's very rapid fire. And you go, yes. And they're using uh, black microphones. And then you keep going and say, yes. And they're um, drinking apple juice or something like that. You just keep going around. And you, what that does is you'll notice by the end of the session, whether it's like whatever, 10 minutes you could do it for, um, all of you have now like primed your brain to do a couple things. One, obviously be more creative. Like you're constantly creating new ideas. Two, you've primed what I would like to call the go pathway of the brain, which is uh, we have a go, no go pathway in our brain, which is literally like, should I go do something or should I not go do something? And by having that go pathway fired over and over again, you're, you're allowing yourself to really open up to action and creativity and doing things. Um, and then the last thing I can't remember, but the point is this, <laughs> is that as a group, you are now all primed to go bring this creative mentality that you have into whatever like actually serious creative endeavor you're working on. Like maybe you need to come up with um, ideas for the culture of your company or something like that. Um, just an example, but that's the idea. Yeah, I think that's that's a it's a very interesting uh, technique, I guess, or, or practice, I guess yeah. you can call it right. Um, and we have no affiliations with Stanford or uh, David and what was his name? David and Tom and David Kelly, they're brothers, Tom and David actually. Kelly, they're brothers. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very cool. Yes, yeah, so we have no affiliations with them. But um, I think you all should really check out this study or at least try to practice it maybe yeah. with a group. Um, because as to you know, Clark's point here, like I think it can not only spark some creative juices and get things going, um, but if you guys do have something you're trying to actually accomplish together, it can help maybe find the solution without actually making it seem like work or something like that, yeah, right? Like you guys exactly. are like doing it's something fun. fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, so the last um, study I wanted to bring up here, which is neuroscience based, um, actually, I would say maybe somewhat contradicts the last point I just made now that I'm saying it out loud, but we're going to go with that anyways. So um, the last point was I, was I was doing some of my own research on like the neuroscience of creativity, and I found a study um, by BT at L, I'll post it in the description, called Creativity and the Default Network, a Functional Connectivity Analysis of the Creative Brain at Rest. Um, this study really caught my eye because uh, when someone goes under an fMRI, I think we spoke about this on a previous episode, um, there are two kind of like main sets of activities that you see, depending on what the person in the scanner is doing. Um, the first one is what they're talking about here, the default network. So this is when you are sitting at rest. Um, maybe you're listening to a lecture, right? I like that one a lot. You're listening to a lecture. You're kind of like in your own head, in your own thoughts, and you start to... Um, you start to do more like meditation almost, but like interoception, like you're focused, you're thinking about, uh, you know, uh, what am I going to eat for lunch? Um, <laughs> you know, what is, oh, I can feel my heartbeat right now. Cool. You just start thinking, your mind starts to wander, right? It's your brain at rest basically. And when, when you're in an fMRI that shows up as 
really specific um, areas of activity in your brain. Um, the opposite of that, and when I say opposite, I mean like the opposite brain areas kind of activate and deactivate when this goes online, is the task positive network. So that's when you're like actually solving that math equation, you are building Legos, you're honestly, here's the thing though, is like maybe you are, um, maybe you're actually doing the act of writing itself or doing the act of playing a song or, or um, painting. Um, and what I found interesting about this is that it's saying that the default network, when you're actually not doing anything, is when you're the most creative and that there's uh, a lot of creativity that happens in that. And I think that for me personally, one, I find this to be true when I am just like meditating. I come up with the craziest, fun, cool ideas. And that's when I, that's usually when I, I hop over to my phone and I start writing my notes down. Um, and it also reminds me of a story. I think one story in particular kind of like, I think sums this up kind of well, which is I was watching uh, No Affiliation to Chuck Palahniuk. He's the writer who wrote the book Fight Club. Um, he, was talking about his writing process, his creative process. And he's like, uh, I, I remember this is on a Joe Rogan episode, actually. Joe Rogan was asking him about um, typing versus writing. And he's like, well, I grew up in a time when like typewriters were a thing and very expensive. So like for me, the creative process is like going out into the world and like talking to people and thinking about things and like write. And then like he uses his notepad to like write this stuff down. But I think the more task positive thing is he goes like, when I get to the computer, that's just typing. Like it, it's just, I just like literally copy it out of my notebook at that point. So I would say to the audience, kind of the takeaway from that is like, I think you can maxim maximize your creativity if you're like doing some relaxing things, maybe some meditating um, and really kind of like, go into that mind palace of yours and, and really try to rest and, and don't, don't be working on this or solving that problem or writing that email at work. Like really try and like meditate almost to get into that creative, creative thinking, creative flow. Yeah. And I think that's why Clark, like some people will also combine uh, different art forms, right? Like mm -hmm. some people will play like some very relaxing, soothing, like calm music while they paint or while they write, yeah. you know? And I think that's kind of just goes to show that like, again, creativity helps creativity, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that's something also to think about when you are, even if you are meditating, right? Like maybe have some soothing music going on in the background. Maybe there's, that'll help you. There's one neuroscience study I was just reading about and I've read about it before. It's so, I was laughing so hard when I saw this. Um, <laughs> basically it's a, it's a study that shows that, um, classical music basically like makes you more uh relaxed obviously makes you more relaxed but it also makes you more creative and it, it basically touting all the benefits of listening to classical music and then it says the opposite of that is listening to techno music had no no positive effects i was gonna say <laughs> if i was listening to techno music and trying to try to paint yeah i don't know it wouldn't be too good i mean painting in general wouldn't be good but <laughs> i mean hey good the thing was beautiful about art is that good is subjective to some True. degree right That's so true. i mean hey i would say get out the watercolors put on some techno music and just see what, <laughs> see what happens Love I'll it. post that study. I'll post that study too uh, in the description. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I hope this 
sparked some creative mm. interest in you to get out there and maybe try doing something creative, try doing some art, you know, whether that's again, dancing, singing, making music otherwise, you know, writing art uh, in the form of paint, sculptures, whatever. Get out there and give it a go. Let the creative juices flow. Get your mindset into a better place. Let the positivity take go. over you. Uh, I was trying to rhyme it. <laughs> ah, that would have been good. That would have been good. But otherwise, yeah. hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week. We will catch you next time. But until then, mm. keep on smiling. Keep on smiling, everyone.